episode of Dropping the Hammer with Dale McFadden. I'm Dale McFadden, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, James Crow. Say hi, Crow. Hello, everybody. And along for the ride, this time around the track, is my boss and friend, uh, Thomas Bowles. Welcome to the show, Thomas Bowles. Oh, nice to be here. Do you prefer Thomas or Tom? Uh, you know, I do prefer Tom, but like, it's one of those things sometimes where people just start calling you by your full name. If they yeah. just see it on a sheet and then like, I just have stopped saying that. There's like <laughs> Thomas, Tom, whatever, you know, uh, it's fine with me. Okay. So Tom, I'll just, I'll just call you Tom for this purpose. But yeah, Tom is the, the owner, editor, operator, and overlord at frontstretch.com. Um, and he is the guy who helped me put together a story that we're going to be talking about here pretty soon. Uh, that we can't, we can't, we, we, we got to kind of drive the narrative for a day, Tom. That was, that was nice. Well, we did. We that did. Nice. We drove the bus, and so. yeah, that's that's always good. And as a journalist, when you have a story that you feel is a good story, unfortunately, it was you know bad news within that story. <laughs> yeah, when you break it. Yeah. the the, the yeah. high that you feel from breaking it, and know that you you did something that was really important. You know, it's there's there's nothing that beats that. All right, so we're 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 recording this Thursday night, uh, four days after the rain, the historic rain-soaked race at Circuit of the Americas in Houston, Texas. First time NASCAR Cup Series had been on the road course down there in Austin, Texas. Uh, we'll, we'll start with you, Tom. Uh, what were your just general impressions of the first cup race on the 3.41-mile 20-turn Circuit of the <laughs> Americas? Yeah, it was soggy. And I know that's not an emotion, but the rain really just made it more disappointing than it, it could have been. It, there was, uh, there were just, just stops and starts of really good racing. You yeah. know, obviously drivers really concerned about the visibility. And then when they called it, it just was a weird time sort of for them to call it, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, led to a lot of, a lot of questions and it, it, it was so much hype surrounding this race that I think it was going to be really hard to match the hype. But I think, the best thing to take away from it is we need to learn how to race in the rain better and we need to learn where the line is when the rain is rain comes in yes sunset according to google was supposed to be like 8 23 central time and so they called it like three and a half hours or something like that before i was like are we come on just just give it a little bit more time i I have no idea when the rain actually stopped so i really don't know whether it was a good decision or not so um crow Chase Elliott won this race. What, 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 what did you think of uh, the little little race down in big, big, big Texas? Um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was definitely something different from anything I've ever seen, seeing the, um, you know, cup cars racing in like legitimately heavy rain. Um, I well, no, no one's ever seen it before. Yeah, <laughs> so that, 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 that's part of the appeal. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, it's not something I've even seen in any, I guess, any real, like, re- racing outside of some of the, like, open wheel cars, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I really loved, um, like, Ross Chastain just kept bombing the corners <laughs> at one point. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was wonderful. Um, but, um, yeah, the when they called it, 
It was weird because like they really should have called it after that wreck with the uh, Cole Custer. Well, they couldn't you know. have then. Well, they, I mean, they could have, um, they could have, okay. should have stopped the race at that point when you, you've had oh, two yeah, wrecks yeah, yeah, at yeah. that point that are due to poor visibility. Like, and especially going back to Bristol dirt where, you know, we ended on, they stopped it on lap one because of poor visibility. And here we're basically in the same well, thing. No, that, 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 was, that was the qualifying races. Oh, qualifying race. Yeah. That, so they that, canceled the qualifying was. race due to poor visibility. And now we're, we're, you know, there are multiple accidents that were like blatantly because of poor visibility. Yeah. Um, and they still didn't call it. And some of those are scary. And man, that uh, Cole Custer, when he started to get out of his car, I thought he was going to get hit by somebody like that was oh, it, terrifying. It was just a, the first wreck was just bizarre, Tom. Like, yeah. um, first of all, like the first thing we're even realizing there's a wreck is like, we're seeing drivers get out of cars. Like Bubba Wallace is getting out of his car. Christopher Bell is getting out of his car. It's like, what just happened? And like, we there was because of the poor visibility, there's never a good camera angle of these wrecks that we. Yeah. So we had to go off of like digital recreations of the wrecks based off of telemetry. To, I know to that have was amazing. Any idea uh, what what happened? Yeah, it, it it was like a video game on TV, but it, it shows how sometimes you take TV for granted because they usually have some angle somewhere and it shows how much you lose when you don't have the visibility and you, you don't have that angle. And when you guys were talking, I'm thinking this weekend was a little Goldilocks and the three bears when it came to the cup race, right? Like it was either hyper aggressive, these crazy wrecks with no visibility, everybody's jamming on these restarts, trying to get any position they can get. You had the horrible wreck with Truex and Custer and people were just struggling. Or once the field spread out, once the field started to figure it out, it was kind of like a rainy Wednesday night on, on the highway or something. Okay, really got to focus on the road. I'm just going to run single file and just figure out how I can hit my marks and go forward. And I think that they really struggled to pass and drivers just started to say, you know what, I'm going to try and get through this. And we didn't have that happy middle ground of there's a little bit of passing going on here and people are are comers and goers and you're really starting to see them use the technical aspects of the track to pass you know i just think as the race went on people got a lot more conservative and and that hurt the racing well that, that I mean, really like what once the second stage was over the the early parts of the last stage were really actually good racing once like they they you know sort of deranged the, the stretches anyway and I believe uh, uh, Parker, Parker Kligerman used a term that's now my favorite racing term. He described that between like second and like ninth place was like a 10 car battle train. Uh, <laughs> th th they were all pretty close together. And that's, that's where you saw Chastain and like Kurt Busch and this group of drivers just like, just constantly being around each other. And it was very entertaining. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, after those two wrecks that brought out the red flag, I think yeah, everyone was kind of probably over. I mean, they were both properly reacting, but also overreacting, like saying, oh, no more rain, rain races. No, just no more rain, rain, rain running in that heavy rain. Um, we, we, we went over the red line. I think we can all agree, agree on that, at least for the second stage. We all went over that red line. Well, something with Harvick. I, I wonder what you guys thought about him being so angry after. And I thought about, you know, Jeff Gordon 
you remember what happened to Jeff Gordon in 2014, where Gordon had one of the best seasons that he had that he had had in a while, and he never made the the championship four. They changed the format. Things didn't really work out for him. All of a sudden, Gordon was retiring the following year. Harvick's had a really bad year. We now are up to seven road courses on the schedule. Mm-hmm. He feels like NASCAR made a terrible decision here, is in this horrible wreck, and then it's just like, this is the most unsafe I've felt during my entire career. I, I have not heard Harvick that mad in a really long time. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm, I'm not jumping conspiracy theory and saying Harvick's retiring tomorrow or anything like that. No. It's just, it's, it's something to watch. I, I just think he's had a real frustrating year. That was a real low point. He's not a huge road course guy anyway. NASCAR's no. going, well, we're going to race in the rain no matter what. I, I wonder what you guys thought about his reaction. I, I, well, personally, well, Kurt, Kurt, you go first. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I guess I don't really know enough to like know how to take that specifically from him. Um, but I will say is like, um, because I, I don't usually watch the races live because of just the my schedule and stuff. Um, so I heard about, you know, people, the drivers being mad, the, uh, and everything and the clips and stuff I saw, like the wide shots, you know, it, it really didn't, I think it's like, you know, they're just being dramatic, but then actually sitting down and watching the race and especially that the Cole Custer wreck, it's like, oh yeah, they should have stopped it right there. Like, it, it, you know, to me, it's like, that was scary because when I saw him getting out of the car and there's a stock car headed straight for him until it turns, that terrified me. And I felt like that's the point where it, like, we need to call this until we, until it's safe. Um, so at that point, like, I can definitely see where he's coming from. Well, what's interesting, Tom, is like, I just now thought about this. It's like, D- Dustin Long was at NBC Sports. He's the one who got that that soundbite from uh, Harvick. But it really, that that moment for Harvick really kind of exemplified that he's, as the guy who took over for Dale Earnhardt, he's kind of now the Dale Earnhardt of the garage in, in a weird, everything comes full circle kind of way. So, um like he, he, yeah, I think people are going to listen to him, especially on stuff like this. Um, and like, yeah, like you said, I've, yeah, I, I can't, don't, can't remember the last time I saw him, saw him that upset, um, yeah. but I think he was completely justified. Um, it, but it was weird. This, this comes like, you know, what, a month and a half or so after Bristol where he was like, man, I haven't had that much fun in a long time. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think that really like showcased Harvick's role in that, gr- in the garage at this point in his career. That's a very good point. And you look at his age, he's at the age where Jimmy Johnson was done. Tony Stewart was done. Jeff Gordon was done. He signed through 23. It's just, these are the types of things I feel like when you get to that age and you're having a winless year and you're struggling already and you weigh those things. I think that if you asked Jeff toward the end of his career, what were you weighing and, and, you know, I think when people feel like they're starting to slide back a little bit, you stop and you go, what, what is the work here? Get back to where I was. What is the work required here to get back mm-hmm. to where I was? And Stuart Haas clearly has problems. They're, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Harvick has certainly turned things around in the second half before, but right now I wouldn't put him as a top-tier championship comp- contender. You may see changes with Almirola at the end of the season. You may not. But, you know, Stewart's off running the SRX series and doing yeah, some other yeah. things. It's just it's, it's an interesting storyline to watch and see if this frustration lingers or if he turns it around this week on an oval and everything's fine and it's like nothing around. 
Okay. But yes, Chase Elliott ultimately came out came out this win. Was it that's five of six road course wins for Chase? Tom, is that is that right? That is. Gosh, that's like he wasn't gonna win that race. He was two laps short on fuel. Um, but they called it. He's the winner. Uh it's the his first win of the year comes, you know, 14 races into the year after he's the champion. So this is still a very bizarre year. The guy who's in at the top of the points, Denny Hamlin, still hasn't won. So um, yeah. it's so, but Hendrick Motorsports is a uh, enjoy was enjoying a two week uh, siesta honeymoon phase, whatever you want to call it. They were having a good time. Two straight wins. They had their one, two, three, four finish at Dover. Yeah. Um, now all four other teams have won at least one race this year, and then uh, Tuesday happens. So, um, Tom, w- when did you first see my text messages to you uh, Tuesday night, Tuesday morning, whatever? So you're night owl, and yeah. I'm in the middle of this SRX project that I'm working on for CBS, so I was exhausted. And so I'd gone to bed, I think, 15 minutes before you started texting. So okay. you found these Reddit posts that were insinuating something was going on with Eddie DeHaan. And you, there were some tweets out there. So I woke up to all these different text messages. And you, why don't you go through your thought process in terms of how, how you look at that and then go, oh, wait a minute, this might be a story. Well, I mean, I, I'm about to go to bed. Like it's it's after midnight, my time. And I'm, I'm just scrolling through Twitter. And I see one, one thing I've done in the last few months, I guess, pretty much since I, was, I left NBC Sports is I followed a lot of just like fan accounts, like people who you know, don't have large followings or anything, but just everyday fans. And so I start to see, like, I saw one person tweet, like, um, it's, I can't believe that Ed, Chase Elliott's spider Eddie DeHunt assaulted a pregnant woman. I was like, what? <laughs> what, what is this? At like 12 o'clock at night, I'm like, that can't be a real thing. And I like scroll a little bit more and then I search Eddie DeHunt on Twitter and then I see more tweets is like, where is this coming from? And then I see someone replying to another tweet with screenshots of like some webpage with information describing what Eddie DeHunt allegedly did. It's like, where is this coming from? And then finally I figure out that there's, yeah, like a Reddit post that with a link to uh, the North Carolina court uh, systems website and uh, court docket for Eddie DeHunt for two dates in June for allegedly assaulting a woman and battery on an unborn child. And I'm like, what is going on? So I start searching, trying to figure out, okay, if Eddie DeHunt was arrested, who arrested him? So I'm trying to figure out if it's the sheriff, if it's Hickory, who? I finally find it on Hickory PD's website that okay he was arrested on may 12th which was the date that was on the court docket and i'm like oh okay this is this is a thing and so i first i i i write up an email to jesse essex at at hendrick motorsports detailing oh oh mugshot there was a mugshot Yes. I was waiting for you to bring that up. So mugshot. We didn't, we didn't, we never linked to it in the story. And I I just forgot to do that. Um, But there was a mugshot of Eddie DeHunt. 
so we have that. So I, I, I write up an email explaining what I found. It's Jesse X, X, X. I linked the court docket. I linked to the mugshot. I asked him, uh, Eddie DeHunt, you know, Eddie DeHunt had, if this arrest happened on May 12th, he competed the next two, or he didn't compete. He was at the next two races. Uh, and you're supposed to notify NASCAR within an X amount of time, 72 hours, if you've been arrested for a misdemeanor or a felony. So, uh, and we never heard anything about this. So, uh, and I asked Eddie, asked them, did Hendrick Motorsports, was the, were they aware of this? And why was he allowed to compete in those two races and whatever? And so I send that at like 1 a.m. <laughs> um, and then I, before right before I go to sleep, you know what? Okay, I'm going to just write up four graphs as if I'm writing right. a story and just to have it, just in case. And then I send it to you just in case you get up before me. So you have a day job, so you're going to get up for me. Um, so, um, well, and what was weird about that was, you know, I didn't have anything super stressful or anything go on that day beforehand, but I typically will sleep. So you, know, my hours start, you know, I, I, I'm a later in the person day type of person. So with work from home and with, with all of the different things I bounce between front stretch and other clients, I usually don't wake up until like nine-ish and okay, then start my right. day around 10. So like <laughs> I typically wouldn't been up for a couple more hours. Oh, wow. Okay. And, like, and then I'm up really late. Like my work day doesn't didn't usually end until like seven or eight. So okay. like for whatever reason that night, I wasn't getting good sleep. And so I woke up at seven, which I think really helped us because I mm. was like, I, I, I saw this. I was like, oh, we, we, we need to. To move on this and so before i got back in touch with you you know you're you're reporting to me and i'm like all right let me start taking a look i one of the first things i i i do and as, as a reporter it's just always been the nosiest part of me is i'm i start checking social channels anywhere anywhere and everywhere and you know you don't believe everything that you see on social but at the same time you're you're looking to see certain patterns and trends like for example the hans twitter was down the instagram was down i could tell with certain posts that like you couldn't or, or I shouldn't say the Instagram was down. The Instagram was locked. It was private. But Twitter had gone away. And there were certain things that it seemed to indicate that something had happened in the last couple of days that was important that made him want to change his social profile. So it was one thing that I was looking at before I started talking to you. Uh, and then another thing that I was looking at is like you had given me yeah. that Hickory Police Department's thing. So I was looking at, you know, I was looking at the same stuff that you were looking at on on their county website. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, 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 yeah, I forgot to mention, yeah, like, yeah, I, I'd sent you like the phone number for the the Hickory's, the police officer's public information officer's number, call call them, find out if it's true or not, whatever. So yeah, you had that, so. Yes, yes. And so I'm looking at oh, that and I'm trying to, okay. to so. figure things out. I'm clicking on links. I'm like, can I, can I get back to a place where I can get more information doing this, some of the same stuff that you were, t that you were doing in terms of like, looking up particular things like, you know, can I get a public incident report? In North Carolina, you're supposed to, every time a police officer makes a report, it's public knowledge. And you can get that off of the county website. And we were looking to see if we could find out more information. Okay, misdemeanor assault on a female is crow's shown. That's, that's a big deal. And especially the next one, battery on an unborn child, holy smokes. 
So you, you were, we're trying to figure out, can we find instant? Yeah, that, that was a new one to me. Yeah. I'd never seen that before. Have you guys seen that before? I had not. Nope. No. no. So I'm it's like, never seen, wow. number, never seen, never seen battery on an unborn child. Yep. So I'm like, well, something big's going on here. And like, I'm going through, I'm sure you did the same thing. I'm going through every instant report from like May 1st on just clicking, going through, seeing if I can find it, doing search terms, targeted search terms to try and figure out, can we get this report? Cause I mean, that's really a big difference, right? Like that's the difference between just saying it on Twitter and just running with it and then starting to really put together the facts of the story, like confirming that the report yeah. is accurate. Yeah, like the, the, there was like early in the morning, very like when I first woke up, there were people who were like still like tweeting out screenshots and stuff saying, hey, this happens. Like, I, okay, that that's cool. You you guys tweet out your screen, screenshots. I'm going to go get context that screenshots. So, um, uh, so yeah, I was not going to tweet a darn thing about this until uh, I knew exactly what was going on, or some version of what was going on. Um, but like once once I got up and we we talked on the phone, like you you kept to the like the public officials angle. And yes. I, I went over to talk to NASCAR and try try to get back in touch with Hendrick. Um, and I, I'm really glad that we did that because I'm I'm really not personally that great with public officials. Like I, I I'm not a sweet talker person. <laughs> like I can hey can can, can just, just slide the documents across the table. Come on. <laughs> um, I, I'm that's not my personality. So, but um, but you know, I called up a, a NASCAR, you know, PR official and detailed the situation to him. And uh, like after I finished that, it's like he says, "Yeah, I this is the first I've heard of it." Um, and so it's like, oh, uh, this the second time that me and the PR official got together, he 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 says, you know, you know, off the record, yeah, NASCAR was not made, knows nothing about this. They were not told. Um, it's like, okay, so we are, we are in a good place on that angle because that's like, that's for me, that's like a very important part of this is if NASCAR yeah. doesn't know about it. So re, re, like, cause they're, they're supposed to notify him if you're arrested with me. So, um, and so, so, so Tom explain from on your angle, like what were, you were doing with the County clerks and stuff like that. Yeah. I, on my end, I call up the clerk the first time and she's super sweet and you know basically so the goal is when you're a reporter you're trying to figure out this information yeah we see the court dates on file online but what we want is a, is an incident report i want to be able to read what exactly happened we can a put that in the story and b it's official confirmation that this went down and so you know first time she's like going through and she's like oh i can't really figure this out and like she's <laughs> like it's on here and it should be here she's like I don't know why it's not here. And then she started talking to me about how the battery of an unborn child thing sometimes causes protection to get triggered. And she's like, that could be what happened here. She's like in North Carolina, it, you know, certain assault cases can end up sealed. She said, so, you know, I don't know why the report's not here. She's like, but, you know, I can tell you that if it is on this website and your links are legit, the case is legit, just for whatever reason, you know, go back and do one more check of the incident report. You can find it publicly. She's like, I'm looking at my records and I can't see it. So that caused a little bit of a holdup for us, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're trying to get over this hump. And at this point, we have other people involved. You know, like sometimes people think now you just throw something on Twitter and it's gold. No, there's a whole no. process behind this. So we have my contact directors involved and we're trying to figure out, hey, is there enough? 
to publish here and you know how can we further verify we do figure out the date of birth on the website is february 18th yeah and you know we confirm that i think by about nine o'clock eastern we confirm that eddie dehan's date of birth is february 18th so not a lot of dehan's in the world it's not like it's a smith right like, yeah, yeah. The, 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 but it still was my fear like in the back of my head like what right. if there's another eddie j, j dehan running around the charlotte area like, yeah. like what 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 would the odds be so that, that, that. exactly exactly and you don't want to be wrong like this is not something this is somebody's you know we we post the story and within two hours she's suspended so you don't want to be wrong on that and so it's like we're trying to figure this out and so i think you went back to humphrey again and then i ended up calling this this woman back a second time and like you said there's a lot of sweet talking that goes on when you're reporting like you don't you know sometimes you need to try and get to where you need to go and she's finally like you know what Let, let's bring the city clerk into this she's like we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure this out she's like because i don't know why i can't see the case so transfers me over to the clerk and then i start talking with the clerk and we go through the case numbers and she's like oh she's like oh here it is and she's like you know your case numbers are accurate she's like the charges are accurate she's like problem is based on the laws of the town i can't fax or email you the reports she's like can you can you come in sometime today i'd be happy to share them with you and i'm like well can't really drive 10 hours to where this is to come in uh like really nice of you i'm like but i can't really i can't really make that and so what i do to confirm it is i ask a bunch of questions and then she gives me some off the record answers did you read the full report to me word for word no but she gave me enough that i could then mm -hmm. go back to you and say hey listen this is legit i know this is legit let's take this and let's write it up and but we needed more right like and that's what what uh, we were working on with the rule book yeah yeah yes and like be before i i talked to, to to humphrey matt humphrey for the the, the the second time like there were people in our slack channel going just publish it publish it just do it it's like i want to know before we hit publish whether nascar knew about this like that that was my that's that was my hang up i needed to know if nascar had any idea so the the second we were told you know off the record at the time we did not know it was like all right we're good so um so we hit we hit publish and at i i tweeted it out at 9 53 a.m um and then we had about what how long was it 10 minutes of panic yeah we did because you know so we tweeted out at like you know 10 of 10 and you know i feel very confident at, the, at this point like we've had we we so our our contact director mike massey you know reads the story our news director kevin kevin rutherford reads the story both both are like this is great we should do this and then Buff, beth lungenheimer who's who's my number two reads everything she helps us with the rule book she finds what we need in the rule book you know we're all good there so i feel i feel very confident and then we have another national reporter yeah well we don't, we don't, just no names we don't have, we don't need another <laughs> national reporter that questions the story in very bizarre way of questioning the story yes just claims that he can't get to the website that was out there from the night before saying this is not accurate you should check your sources 
I can't get there. And no, he says, actually, yeah, yeah. He said, he said he said it wasn't a real the real website. That that's what yes. it was. So. Yeah, he said that we were reporting on what wasn't a real real judiciary website, which I I have to give our, our colleague a lot of credit. Zach Sterniolo thought of an amazing idea and just literally took a video of how you get to that page that many other people, starting with Reddit the night before, had gotten to to first trigger the story to try and get yeah. more information. So he, he takes a 30-second video and posts it to this national reporter to show the reporter, I'll just say to show the reporter how to report, and that's how far I'll go. <laughs> and so... Uh. We I'm glad that. I didn't do. I'm glad I didn't. I did not personally engage in that. I was like, I'm just gonna let, let the story speak for itself. So. Yeah, and you know, I just I, 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 I'm older now, and I think that one of the things I've learned in the last five, six, seven, eight years is like, you're never gonna be universally liked, and there's a risk to go down in the sandbox with people, and you know, you go down in the sandbox with people. You may feel like you're clearing your name, you're you're standing up for yourself, but sometimes people just view it as you're going in the sandbox with people, and it doesn't really help things in the end. So it's like, all right, on this, I did retain. Yeah, you mentioned you said ten minutes of panic. I, I really felt confident the whole time. I, I I mean, because I well, I, we were on the I, phone. I could I could yeah. hear the doubt creeping into your voice, like, no, 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 this is not happening. So the doubt didn't come from the fact that I didn't think the story was accurate. The doubt came from, no, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. is yeah. this going to, is this trouble going to last the whole day? Is this yeah. going to be a back and forth that lasts the whole day? Cause here's, 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 here's what, what I was worried about. What I was worried about was the story is published. Hendrick tries to deny the story for whatever reason, even though it's yeah. out there. Right. And so you know, then it's getting out there. It's it's getting more popular. I mean, because you know, as soon as we we threw it out there, several thousand people start reading, and yeah. so you know, it, it's it's got Henry's got to answer now. And so you know, I was like, are they going to do some sort of cryptic denial? And then it's kind of left there, where for some reason you have another national reporter questioning the story, and then it just becomes this unnecessary, in my opinion, tit for tat about yeah. legitimacy of a story that's very clearly legit but but there, i mean there were he, he had somewhat valid reasons for why he was questioning because the the url urls on the the judiciary website for north carolina are weird because you have you have the main page which is gov but if you click out anywhere else on the website it goes into this very kind of long string url that doesn't look anything like that so that's why he probably thought it was fake or whatever. But also, if you search for Eddie DeHaan's name, the only way it would come up is if you spelled his last name without the, the hyphen. So D-H-O-N-D-T, no hyphen. That was the only way. So that also threw kinks into it. So um, Yeah, it, yeah that, let me tell you, I've never seen an apostrophe make <laughs> more of a difference in a story, right? Like, it really... Because the way that all of the reports are, even if you look at the reports, I mean, some have the apostrophe, some, some don't have the apostrophe in them. Like, you know, and if you go, you had to type the name without the apostrophe to get to where you needed to go yeah. on that particular web page, for sure. So it was bizarre, but yeah, we had this 10 minutes of panic. But at, at 
10 25 uh a.m central standard time uh 25 to 20 to 30 30 minutes after yeah. we hit send uh the the the, the press for, the statement goes out from hendrick motorsports saying that we became aware of this morning blah 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 mr dehant has been suspended indefinitely from his duties with the team blah 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 it's like thank you <laughs> so, yes touchdown right then you have the sigh of relief because then you've been you know supported and, and you move forward and then things move pretty quickly from there i, I don't think it was long before nascar suspended him after that no no, no well uh, yeah, yeah yeah you're right yeah nascar put out its penalty report um and then really that was where our, our reporting pretty much ended on this so yeah. uh, other other reporters like bob pockris went out um Jerry Jordan at kicking the tires went out somehow got PDFs of the arrest warrants. I don't know how he did that. Yeah. Good for him. Um, Bob got more affidavits uh, and there was more reporting on the story involving the situation with the own owner of a jet ski rental company um, there in the Charlotte area and, and the altercation between uh, Eddie DeHaan and her, and the it, it's turned into a he he said she said thing. Um, yes. So which that this will play out in the courts, whatever. Um, he's got two court dates next next month. Um, but regardless of what legally happens, Eddie DeHaan failed to notify NASCAR about his situation, and um, that's bad for him. It so. is. And he's a guy that's been around a long time. He's not just Chase Elliott's spotter. I mean, he used to be GM of Everham Motorsports way back when, you know, when mm -hmm. they were with Dodge. He long, he's a longtime friend, confidant of the Elliots. He used to work with Bill Elliott. You know, he spotted for Jeff Gordon. This is a guy that's been in the garage for decades. He, at one point, he was part of a nationwide series team, part owner. It was involved in a start and park effort at one point on the cup side. So mm -hmm. he's been around and Tommy Baldwin, you know, at, I believe he is, he's worked with Tommy in the past as well. So, you know, this is a guy that, that, that is pretty big guy in the garage and a guy, a lot of people know, and you saw that in the reaction with Sirius because, you know, Larry McReynolds, when the news broke, I think you shared one of the clips with me and mm -hmm. he was taken aback as somebody that personally knew him that was like, wait a minute, this is my friend that I would never think would have done anything like that. So I, I think there's a lot of reverberation in the garage here that'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend because people will be asked about it, people will be talking about it. You know, this this was not a guy that sat in a corner, this guy that knew a lot mm -hmm. of people and influenced a lot of people. Well, I mean, we're like, we're recording this Thursday night. Uh, tomorrow's gonna be an interesting day at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So, so somebody's gonna be able to put a tape recorder in front of some Hendrick official and say so how did you guys not know about this for two weeks and that's they're gonna have to come up with so, like they, uh, they they said in that statement we became aware of this morning um so that's they, they're gonna have to provide some other reassurance that they did not know before tuesday when i emailed um jesse essex so um so, so I've been thinking about this, right? So, okay, we're in this work from home environment. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what what you think, Crow think. I'm think about 
you know, other people I work for, other situations. So let's say somebody has some something happen to them. Like somebody gets arrested, goes out to a bar that's open, you know, just opened after COVID restrictions eased, gets arrested overnight, and then shows up to work the next day. In a work from home situation, you're on a Zoom, right? Like you're, nobody knew where you were the night before. You're not necessarily sitting in an office together. So how are people going to know of your arrest, right? Like people would have had to have seen you at that bar and had some somebody report the story to them, or they would have to maybe look it up online and it pops up in a police blotter or something like that. Mm-hmm. So part of me is like, okay, you could hide this for two weeks. And then the other part of me is, well, these guys all travel together. We've been in that environment. Yeah. Daniel, you've been in it. I, I've been in it for, for years where I was traveling 27, 28 races a year. And you get really close to people. And wouldn't you notice a change in personality at the very least, something weighing on mm-hmm. them? And the social media channel going down to me, Twitter not being around, we don't know exactly when that got taken away. That's a factor to me too. Like, wouldn't wouldn't you see something? So I'm very torn. I'm very torn as to whether people say, "Okay, I didn't I didn't know this. Could you get away from, with this for two weeks in in the COVID environment?" I mean, that, I mean, the entire possible. He, I mean, he's a spotter. I don't know how much time spotters spend at the race shop or anything like that. Like, this could just be a one day a week job ready to hunt, as far as I know. So um, it, it'll be interesting to hear what people say this weekend. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure there's going to be there, there should be at least one press availability with a Hendrick official about this. But um, but it's 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 a weird situation. It's very weird as a journalist because I feel I, feel, I do feel accomplishment. Hey, we broke a story, it, it, but it's not a great story. So somebody's having yeah. a very bad day because of this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, but again, but we're, we'll find out what happens to the legal process. Um, but Crow, Crow, what was your feelings on this? Is like when you read the story after I sent it to you. Um, I mean, I, I'm ha- happy to hear that you you know, got to do something that you know <laughs> made you feel accomplished as my friend. Um, and I mean, really, that's the main thing. I mean, the charges are you know a little are obviously not great. Um, I don't know. I'm personally, I'm always conflicted when you have these kind of this intersection of public and private, like people, you know, yeah. it's NASCAR, it's very, it's a public sport. Um, but how, like how far back in the garage do you have to go before someone's a private individual and should be treated that way? Um, and so that that's sort of kind of where I fall with it, with it. And I'm not really sure. I feel like now this guy, you know, as someone who's been around forever and, you know, is connected was the GM of Everham Motorsports, as you said. I didn't know that, but you know, someone like that. I mean, they're. I think they're definitely you know fair game for these kind of things. But like, if it was like, like his rear tire changer, I don't know about that. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, I've I've done a story like this a couple of years ago at NBC Sports where we did something on, um, like an underneath guy. I think on Jermaine Racing being in some sort of similar situation yeah that the under no, no one no, like here's the thing no one knows who eddie de is when you get down yeah. to it um 
but he is the spotter for Chase Elliott, the most popular driver in NASCAR. Yeah. Um, but no one, no one really knows who the underneath guy is on it on Jermaine Racing. <laughs> so there, there, there's it's a weird tier tier level, it, like like yeah. as, as you said, Crow, with how how deep do you have to get into to this? But I mean, it it's, it's a story regardless. A, a NASCAR yeah. employee was charged, arrested and charged on these two assault, assault and battery charges. Yeah, and, and I think the not reporting so. it too makes it relevant because yeah. he because he didn't report it to his employer. Now we have to ask the and because of what you're saying with uh, you know the garage is fairly tight knit and people yeah. you know, generally are going to know each other's business um, like a you know like a small town. You know how did nobody know this for two weeks? You know at that organization, yeah. and, and and at that point you start it, it's. It's almost like the focus is almost more on Hendrick to explain how they didn't know. Yeah, I mean that, so. that, that's for me personally. That's the the, the big question surrounding all of this. Um, yeah. I mean the 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 alleged crime. Yeah, yes, that's horrible to happen. Um, but you know, for the you know purposes of me, Dale McFadden, journalist, my my, my big question about this whole situation is Hendrick what's going on with in your house or whatever. So, um, but we'll, 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 that question will be get asked this weekend and I can't wait to hear their reasoning for it. But Tom, what, what's your like final takeaway on this whole saga that's t took place over the last 48 hours? When you were talking, I was thinking about colleges, college sports, how these types of investigations come up, almost like a college assistant that gets in a recruiting scandal. So, mm -hmm. Sometimes that moves up to the head coach and we talk about how much the head coach know and how do they know it. And in some of these cases, the head coach is truly innocent, didn't know anything was going on. But sometimes you take the hit because it's a culture issue because you were responsible for hiring that person, right? And mm -hmm. so you were responsible for hiring and keeping a person. Again, hypothetical, we have no way of knowing yet whether Eddie is innocent or guilty. It seems like it's he said, she said, there's a lot more evidence that needs to be presented. But yeah. you, for the purposes of this argument, let's say Eddie ends up guilty. So you employed someone that would go out and have this type of assault. That if you say, oh, this person is accused of assault of an unborn child, I think most people in the world would just go, whoa, what's going on there? How did he have a job there? How was he protected for so long? And again, Eddie yeah. is somebody that has been around the garage a while. And he's not a 25-year-old guy that just... Got he's, 60, he's 62. Yeah, he's, he's been around a long time. And so, I mean, it speaks to work culture and it speaks to the type of environment. And it's really bad timing for Hendrick after the first one, two, three, four organiza organizational finish yeah. team that has really struggled to always have all four teams running at that level. And Hendrick has targeted length the last couple of weeks, how on the same page everyone is, how everybody wants to be there for a long time. And you know, I talked to Chase one-on-one -on -one fairly recently in April, and he's talking about how he, how excited he is and how he feels like everything's just he had one, but every everything is just so comfortable within the company. This happens. This has impact, and it has impact internally. And we'll see how much it it, it ruins the chemistry over at Hendrick or creates a, a potential situation there because Hendrick could face punishment if they knew. All right. Well. I, I I can't remember if we I mentioned it, but like the incident in question happened September seventh, Labor Day of last year, 
and he wasn't arrested until May 12th. So you have this very weird timeline of what why he, he wasn't the, the the arrest warrant wasn't issued until May. So, um, but I think that might be because police departments have like had to prioritize different stuff during the pandemic, and that's just maybe when they got to it. So yeah, I don't know. But um, but anyway, that's that's that on that. Um, you can read that story at frenchstretch.com. Um, right now, guys, it's time for our, our weekly segment. Crow, hit it. Uh, yes, it is McDowell watch time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Michael McDowell, our day 2500 winner, had himself a very good weekend. Uh, he finished second in stage one at Coda, got stage points, I think for maybe only the second time or for the second time, second time in a race this year. I think he, I think he got stage points at Talladega. Um, and then he wound up finishing seventh recording his fifth top 10 of the year and his, which is a career best for him. And, and he's been in, in NASCAR for almost 15 years. He's reached the five top 10 mark. So uh, Tom, what, what do you think of what Michael McDowell has been able to do so far this year? Underrated and how he's been able to keep the momentum from Daytona, right? I think this is a guy that has been waiting and never stopped believing that the right opportunity would come along in a pack race or potentially a road race where he could come out on top and sneak away with a win. And he feels like a different driver. I think he sounds like a different driver. And, you know, <clears throat> if he didn't have a win, he'd still be in the playoffs right now. And we're over halfway through the regular season. And I think that that's really notable how he's been able to keep it going. And think about when Michael Waltrip won the 500s and the rest of the year he's kind of eh. Yeah, I mean, McDowell is a career high in top 10 finishes right now. And you know, just to have another top five on his resume, I mean, that's huge. I, I, I think, is he going to make it past the first round of the playoffs? Probably not. But it, it's really a, a career year for the guy. And it's going to cement him in the sport for another year or two, at least with front row. I bet I, I have to think that if I'm 34 team, I'm, I'm cursing the fact that that there's going to be qualifying this weekend <laughs> because if 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 this was just another race this year we'd have the whole formula thing and he'd get to start up towards the front probably but that's not the case he get he gets a top and finish and they're gonna have to qualify sort of like dang it um so i we're, like he, we haven't seen them qualify on a, a, an oval outside of daytona this yeah. year so it'll be seeing interesting to see where they're at. We still got uh, one, two, five, five more road courses. So, and he's finished in the top 10 both times on the road course this year. We got the Daytona regular season finale. Um, it, it's set up for him. Like I've said this before, because of the schedule and all the road courses, it's set up for him to kind of like benefit from the, this, this formula in a way that maybe other drivers wouldn't have um and it all started with that day 2500 win like he's just kind of like bing 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 just kind of nickel and diming it thanks to the, the qualifying formula yeah but you know what i i always subscribe to what jeff burton said put yourself in position to win right yeah and 
he has been taking advantage of the system. More power to him. They, they, they utilize the system in a way that's really worked for them. Crow, I, I tried calling you after the end of first, <laughs> the first stage to say, hey, man, our boy, our boy, <laughs> he almost won a stage. So what what did you think of what McDowell did Sunday? Oh, I mean, I, I, I was impressed. I, I was confused. And this is another one of those things with the race coverage and I think the visibility where at one point he, it was like he went from like second to like in the 20s, like 20th, 17th, something like that. And I just wasn't sure what was going on. Um, but I mean, for the most part, yeah, I mean, he was running really well and just looked fantastic driving too. Like he wasn't in the lead, but he just he looked like he 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 looked like the most confident driver out there at times. Well, yeah, he has a history of road racing, and yeah. I, I when he practiced during practice, like he he finished in the top like five in practice. It was like, oh man, Michael, like I think I think I put it in the Slack or maybe I tweeted it. I was like. Michael McDowell's gonna Justin Marks this race, isn't he? It's go- it's gonna rain, and he's gonna be like, "Hey guys, look at me!" <laughs> <laughs> and he cor- he sort of did. He sort of did. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have qual qualifying's. When's qualifying for the six hundred? Is it Friday or Saturday? I'm looking it up now. It used to be. Remember when qualifying was Thursday at Charlotte? It used to yeah, be so yeah. weird, you know. Yeah. And and then Friday um i don't know if you ever got to experience this friday was always the crazy like day off day where like you'd always be able to do like the sponsor would be around and your reporters would do all sorts of different crazy things like i remember i flew in like a world war ii plane with red bull one year like you know there were always opportunities to like do crazy stuff on that day off and fans would go and shops would open up and they'd have like fan appreciation days but nothing like that with COVID. it is Saturday, yes. Okay. Saturday. All right. Well, I'm fully on board for having qualifying on Sunday mornings. And I know they have the Indy 500 Sunday, so that's probably why they're not doing it Sunday. But yeah. I, like, but like, I like what they did with uh, Coda. Like, just do, just do qualifying Sunday. G- give fans more bang for their buck on race day. So um, that's just my personal opinion on that. What do you think? You know, I, I don't mind the qualifying on Sundays. I definitely think that shorter race weekends are going to be the way to go post-COVID. I do think yeah. that at the same time, you know, there is a way that, that you keep the hype up with more cars on track. I don't think we need to practice as much as we were practicing, but I wonder how Coda would have been, not just if there was no rain there, but if nobody ever had a lap on the track. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think there's sometimes where practice is good, I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I, I I wasn't really impressed with the way the drivers handled the track Sunday in the rain, um, given just how much rain there was. Um, yeah. And like um, like in my story that I done Ross Chastain that came out Tuesday, like um, he said he was surprised that he got the top five finish in that torrential downpour. But it was like, well, dude, you, you finished fifth in like an even worse downpour <laughs> last year at Charlotte. And you, you've been in rain races at Road America and that infamous Mid Ohio race in 2016 that Justin Marks won. Why are we really surprised that you were one of the guys in the top five? Um, so, uh, but like the what Kurt Busch did to Matrix's way through the two cars before going off track, that that might have been one of those badass 
things I've seen in a car in the last few years. <laughs> that was so freaking impressive. That was like one of the saves of the year to me, which doesn't come out looking quite like the save of the year because I don't know, on an oval when you save it, you, you can really see someone save it. With Kurt, it was like, okay, he didn't hit anybody and he's going straight still and that's great. But the skill there to not have plowed into somebody, especially in a race where people were plowing into people, I could not believe that. There's also the awareness to get it out of the gravel before he slowed down fully too. Cause he got, he got to the back yeah. of the pit into the, into the more solid ground. And then, so he could drive out um, because otherwise, cause they, they like the like announcer said, Oh, there's your caution. It, but then he just kept going and got he out. Just of kept the... going. Well, my, my, well, my dad brought up the point that the tread on his tires might've helped him get through the gravel in a way he wouldn't have otherwise so yeah. that 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 you have a confluence of events really in that situation so oh, yeah so okay coke 600 um gonna be a long night um technically the southern 500 is longer just by time but it's gonna be 400 laps around um the one a mile and a half track charlotte Mars speedway do, do you get excited for the coke 600 tom i used to i used to when it really meant something those extra hundred miles where people would break and it was unpredictability of equipment. And I think now it's not as much of a mechanical test as it used to be. And it really leaves it susceptible to that year where Truex just stomped the field. It's something I'm worried about yeah. again this Sunday. Yeah. And it, it's, it's not the same feel. I, it, it, this is dating myself a little bit. I know I'm getting old, but mid nineties, there was a race where Ken Schrader was dominating at 600. And he blew an engine the last 100 miles. And it was like, wow, okay, I guess he's not going to win that one. And I can't remember a 600 where there was a mechanical failure in the last 100 miles that made a difference. And I think that was really the original intent, right? Like true test of man and machine, who's going to make it. And all these different engine builders trying to build for the 600 and Humpy Wheeler trying to get all these one race deals. You have the Indy 500 Charlotte double, which has gone away. I think that's really yeah. something that's going back. Now it's just kind of like a really long cookie cutter and it's not the same. Well, I, I, I like, I wish the Indy 500 would push its start time back a little bit so that the Coke 600 could start at like five Eastern instead of six Eastern, because I really want more of a day to night transition, not, not a yeah. late evening into the night. So you get the chance to have two separate conditions in which everyone's racing and your cars change and all that. But like over the last six years that, you know, I've been covering NASCAR, like, you know, I'm listening even this year. I mean, I'm listening in on Zooms for drivers and we're asking these drivers the same questions about, oh, is the 600 miles, how, how different is it to the 500? How are you getting prepared? Or like, they're just, there's for the last five years, they basically basically been saying the same thing. Oh, not really doing that yeah. much i drink some more water just doing my normal routine because it's really it's not the endurance race that it was tw even 20 years ago so um daniel i think you need to get in there and just start asking random questions what's your favorite kind of taco <laughs> it's like, uh, it, is there any food you <laughs> is there any food you avoid before you get into a race car <laughs> uh well no i, I think i've actually asked Someone's actually, I've heard someone ask that question before, but like <laughs> we've run out of questions 
to ask about the, the specialness of the Coke 600 and all that. And it, it just seems like it just, I think NASCAR's aware of it. And that's why they put so much emphasis on the, you know, Memorial Day aspect of it in the military. Um, and Tom, are you still here? Oh, okay. You stop. Okay, you stop moving. Okay, I was like, did he freeze? Okay, no, but no, net. Like NASCAR, they they put this emphasis on the military aspect of it rather than the racing part of it, and I really think that's. I'm I'm just now thinking this up right now. I think that's probably because they realized that 600 miles isn't what it meant to 20 years ago. They took an oval race away from Charlotte. They took two oval races away from Charlotte because the All Star races in Texas this year and hasn't been in charlotte now for two years so charlotte once upon a time was one of the best 1.5 milers on the circuit and it really was a challenge for the race car drivers and it was a challenge for mechanical stuff and i i think a lot of times people hear reporters complain about nascar a lot and I, i i'm not one of those people just because you this racetrack has started to suck doesn't mean that all the racetracks suck and nascar is bad i think sometimes yeah. just things evolve and like yeah. certain tracks that weren't as good suddenly get really good like look at chicagoland the last couple of years before we ended up not not going yeah. to it you know like <laughs> yeah I, nascar really rewarded that one right like but you know i think there's hey, ebbs and flows of that you know new but, hampshire's finally good new hampshire yeah. has been great the last three times we've been there so yeah. who whoever saw that coming? So. Exactly. Like, you know, like, I, people were like, this track's never going to be good. And all of a sudden it, it starts to, to come and, and, and be really exciting. So I think you have an ebb and flow of these things. But Charlotte just, there was this whole levigation thing in the like mid-2000s. And I feel like ever since they did that, I want to say 2005, they had this weird like repave of the track there. And just, it never really recovered from that. It, it was the race in like the fall of 05 where all the tires blew and they almost called the race. Oh, the race. wait, they almost called it because I remember that race. I remember like, yeah, every time they exited turn two, bam, into the wall. It's like, yep. like I, didn't, I didn't realize it was that long ago. I didn't know they almost called it. Is that true? They did. They almost called it. That, that was, I, I feel like 25 cars hit the wall in that race and it, you couldn't go more than 20, 25 laps without anybody blowing a tire. It was wow. the, the Brickyard 400 debacle before there was a debacle. So wow, okay. You had that. And then I, I I feel like Goodyear got really conservative with the tire compound. The car tomorrow happened, which was horrible on intermediate. Yeah. And it took a long time to recover from that. And they just they've just never gotten the racing going there. And once again, just modern technology and just the way the racing series has has come out, when you're when you're doing the lower horsepower package, you're really not putting a lot of stress on your equipment. You're just not. And you could go a lot longer, I feel like, without breaking anything. And I, I just think that it's, it's really taken away, you know, just a lot of factors have taken away from the 600 being a crown jewel. Now it's just a really long race. <laughs> you know, like, all right, yeah. I guess you get an extra 10 points for winning another stage, you know? And so, you know, I, I just, I, I, I'm hoping that because of, you know, the, the current handling package you know, for the intermediates that, you know, maybe we get like a ton of good restarts and, you know, some action that happens there that kind of keeps them bunched up and some short runs. You're not going more than hundred laps without caution. Yeah. So, I mean, but it, you know, I, I just, I don't know about you, but I'm, 
I, I'd be shocked if the big guns don't dominate this one. I mean, if you're looking for a Cinderella, it's not going to happen on Sunday. Yeah, like I guess let's get into picks. I'm going with um, Larson. Like he's too good on intermediates right now. He's too fast. Um, should have won. Should have won Atlanta, but his tires went went away. And he should he should like have like four wins at this point, right? I mean, he he could have won to Kansas. So that's I mean, my take. It's every Larson season, though, right? Well, I mean, he has three straight. Yeah. Three straight second place finishes. Yeah. So he's second place Larson. That's what he is. Yeah. But, but you know what, guys? I wrote about this this week, actually, in my Frontstress column. If you were Kyle Larson and you were sitting here a year ago and somebody told you, end of May 21, you're going to have a win. You should have four. You're going to have one of the most laps led in the Cup Series. You're going to be challenging for the title. You're going to be with Hendrick. And stage wins, right? Yeah insane amount of success you would have taken it in a heartbeat it's pretty amazing how quickly he settled in and he's honestly top contender i would even put him above byron right now at the hendrick camp i put him above chase i put him above byron who, who if he okay how to close races multiple multiple choice who, whose season would you rather be having right now denny hamlin martin tricks jr kyle larson Oh, that's a really good one. That's a really good one. I actually think I would go with C because I go with Kyle because you know you have the speed and you've only been with this team for three months. So I feel like the upside there is so high that you could just keep going. Whereas Truex, yes, you know what you've got. Let me put it this way. You've been a lot better this year, but you know you've got with James Small. And they had the speed last year. They just didn't necessarily have the luck. And Small was still learning his role. And, you know, I, I just think with Denny, he hasn't won yet. And I think that's starting to wear on him a little bit. And they peaked early. They really haven't been that great lately. Last month has been kind of off for them. So I would absolutely go with Kyle. Okay, Crow? So, as usual, like, my pick is pretty much what you would pick. So I'm going to fix someone else. Um, and I think, I, I think I'm going to go this. I have this, this strong urge to say Ross Chastain, but I'm not. I'm going but to it, go. No, it's multiple choice. No. For, oh, oh. Okay. No, I say like, of the multiple choice. Who's who much, too much season would you rather have right now of, of Hamlin, Truex or Larson? Mm. Um, that was actually tough. Probably Larson for the same reason. It's there's just so much upside there and so much like to, like to improve just because everything's new. Yeah, like yeah, I'd like I I, I would I think I'd want to be Larson too because like you you you're getting in your car every week, knowing you probably have the best car, uh, and you and you have that best car in a world without practice. So that's that that's I mean I'd be happy with that situation. <laughs> so <laughs> all right, so I picked Larson. Crow, who, who's your pick? So, I'd probably go with uh, Martin Truex. Like I said, I, I'm very strong to say Ross Chastain, like I <laughs> usually do. Um, but I don't know. I, I've just got a feeling like Martin Truex Jr. is it's time for him to win again. Okay, Thomas. So I was gonna go with Truex, and I still think that's probably who it's gonna be, even though this is not not 750 horsepower track, but 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to go, like, like Chris said, I'll just pick somebody else. I like Blaney. I think that Blaney really? is oh, okay. on the verge of, of having one of those seasons that he's needed to have for a long time. And at some point, Blaney's going to have that multiple race win type season, right? And Keselowski potentially stepping out at Penske. He's, he's moving up in, in rank there, right? Like, it, it's about time to, to live up to that. And he's got the speed on these 1.5 milers. I think if he can put it together and, and keep that speed over the final stage, I think he'll be a threat. So, okay, at this point, like, who do you think, okay, just assuming Keselowski leaves and goes to Roush, who do, who do you think is going to be in the two? Is it Cindric? Is it Blaney? Benedetto? Who? <laughs> so. Million dollar question, right? Um, here, here's, I also wrote about this this week, you know, mid-season awards, front stretch, if you want to read it. I think Cindric, but it's the type of ride that people break contracts for because it doesn't come around that often. I do think it seems pretty clear cut to me. Why would you not put Cindric in the two? He's the son of the president. He's the reigning NXS champion. You keep De Benedetto in the 21. There's some chemistry there. And then you, you ride it out with the 21 another year, see where it goes. But Cindric is not NASCAR's most popular driver. Cindric is like a Cole Coster in terms of personality. And everybody knows oh, it. Well, well, that's not fair. Uh, I think, <laughs> I, I, uh, hey, that's really not fair to Custer because he's come a long way. He has come a long way. Hey, remember remember truck, when he was with Cole where he wouldn't talk? Oh, basically? my gosh. Like, yeah. I remember asking him a question, got like a five-word answer. Like, it's it's really hard. But Yeah, those truck series days way. were rough. Those yeah. were rough. <laughs> kid, it's like, kid, do you want to be here? Like, what do you sell? Yeah. So, so I mean, it, it's tough, but like, I, I, you know, I don't know who it would be, and I haven't heard any any crazy rumors, but it who is in that ride depends how crazy the silly season is. If it's yeah. neat and tidy, and it's just you know you put even if you put Blaney in the two, let's say, and then you put Cindric in the twelve, just to give Blaney the name brand of the two car, then silly season's not going to be that crazy. Then then De Benedetto stays in the twenty one. You know, maybe you have an opening at Stuart Haas, but you know, Hendrick, everybody's signed to long-term deals. Gibbs, everybody's signed to long-term deals. You know, the big teams don't move. If mm-hmm. you get somebody crazy that's really good, that's just like, it's time. I need to break to Penske. I think I'm getting offered a heck of a lot of money. It's a great opportunity. Then that could open up a lot of dominoes. Um, somebody like, I'm going to total hypothetical don't don't start tweeting at me that I'm just causing all this conspiracy theory. Something like a Kyle Bush or something. Like, like, oh, I, I need a change. You know, like somebody crazy good that you wouldn't expect that can would you, cause a lot of dominance. Can you imagine Kyle Bush taking over Brad Kozlowski's ride? Yeah, oh my God. That so many things there. So many things. So, you know, it's 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 not gonna happen. Um, but in terms of big driver switching, I mean, would anybody have thought that Dale Jr. would have knocked off Kyle Busch and Hendrick? No, right? So it's very rare that these types of openings are there. Personally, if, if I had the choice, I would put Blaney in the two just because the two has the beer sponsor. And Bla- of all the guys who drive for Team Penske, he's the one who actually looks like drinks beer. <laughs> like he, he's the guy you'd want to get a beer with. Yeah, so that's I, true. It, it's like, like, I remember like, um, 
when he won at Pocono for the first time, I remember just a picture of him celebrating. Like arms, he, he looked like Tim Richmond, like he he looked like a that kind of guy, um, and that, that it baffles me that he didn't have the beer sponsor, but Kozlowski did. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's who I would put in the two car, um, even though they're only sponsored for beer for one race this weekend. The two, it's this weekend. Keystone Light, right? I believe is the sponsor on the two this weekend. So yep. th- here's your beer weekend, everyone. So then who do you put in the 12? De Benedetto or Cindric? Oh, uh, I bet I'm pretty sure they want Cindric under completely the Pinsky umbrella. So yeah, I put Cindric in the 12. So um, it's going to be interesting once Cindric moves out of the 22 and Xfinity, what Pinsky does um, with that car. Because I have no idea who they could put in that car at this point. Yeah. Or would they want to? I think that's one of the big things with Xfinity right now. Xfinity is going to go on a renaissance this year, but you, it's become a farm system. And why do you need to reach into the farm system if NASCAR is trying to, if anything, curb more four-car teams? So you wonder if Penske would ever expand beyond what they are now. And you got some drivers signed to long-term deals. And you're like, Hendrick, it's another one. Where, where's Noah Gregson going to go in the cup level if he gets really good and starts winning multiple races and all that. I mean, you got 400 guys that are signed to long-term deals. Yeah. There, there, there's a lot of, like, I don't know when all this is going to start happening. Like, surely w- when the Kozlowski news is ultimately revealed, that's when the, the, the hammer is dropped and I'm going to end this show on a pun. So uh, related to the <laughs> title. So that's, that's going to be it. So, yeah, this has been it. Thank you, Tom, for coming by. Thank you guys for listening to Dropping the Hammer. Where can everyone find you, Tom? NASCAR Bowls on Twitter, in CBS Sports NASCAR section, or frontstretch.com. Um, did you notice on Wednesdays is when I usually write there. And Athlon Sports, too. I, we, we have a partnership with them and send our content that way. All right. Well, that's it. Say, say, say bye, Crow. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> all right coke 600 this weekend any 500 this weekend it's going to be uh, there's lots of racing lots of practice lots of qualifying um it's going to be a fun week so yeah i'm dan Fadden. this has been dropping the hammer with dan Fadden. thank you for listening follow me on twitter at dan Fadden. email us at dan Fadden at gmail.com follow us on youtube at dan Fadden, or youtube.com slash dan Fadden. thank you guys and enjoy the weekend